Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello and welcome to Edmonton's podcast with Mario Taniguzzi on Canada's podcast network. Joining me today is Adam O'Brien, who is the uh, founder and owner of uh, Bitcoin Well in Edmonton. Thanks for joining us today, Adam. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Okay, let's start off, Adam, by just maybe explaining to me what Bitcoin Well is. What you guys sure, do. yeah. I think that uh, um, you know, Bitcoin now more than ever is probably uh, you know the most well-known event, which is which is fantastic. Bitcoin Well um, prides itself on making Bitcoin accessible and understood. And so from day one, we started this in 2013. Um, I set out to make Bitcoin as usable and as customer friendly and as user friendly and as uh, societally understood as possible. So for the last eight years, we've been deploying Bitcoin ATMs across Canada. Uh, we've set up an office here in Edmonton and we're duplicating that process across Canada. And we are um, now uh, developing a Bitcoin Academy as well to kind of um, you know make Bitcoin as understood as possible. So basically, we are the Bitcoin one-stop shop. Okay. <laughs> so I'm one of these old geezers, right? Uh, and uh, uh, I had no clue how Bitcoin works, etc. Explain to me, as, as a novice, uh, somebody who's naive about all this, uh, what the heck Bitcoin is. Yeah, great question. Bitcoin at the root is sound money. Uh, it is the best form of money the world has ever seen. And I can get pretty technical down this line of thinking, so I'll probably not go down the line of thinking, but um, at the core, uh, when you think about what money should be used for, Bitcoin ticks all the boxes. Uh, the most relatable thing that I think we have to Bitcoin is definitely gold. I think that Bitcoin is um, a store of values similar to gold. Uh, it just has a number of advantages over and above gold. Uh, most notably, its ability to be transferred um, and its ease of storage are two things. Because it's digital, um, you know, we all know it's much easier to send an email than it is to write a letter and, uh, you know, put a stamp on it and a return address on the rest of it. Um, gold, I would say, uh, is very similar to that letter. Um, you know, there, it's, it's, it's old technology, whereas Bitcoin is new technology and allows you to send units of value anywhere in the world um, for very, very little cost and in virtually no time. So what did... Uh in these days, I guess, what is um, Bitcoin being used uh, for? I think primarily a store of value. I think that especially right now with um, how much economic unrest there is in the world, I think that, you know, people are looking for other ways to place cash and uh, and to place money. We're seeing that with companies, but I think we're seeing it too with, um, you know, average Joes like myself and and. And, you know, looking for ways to, to kind of put their savings. Um, the way that our government right now is printing money, the way that the entire world is printing money, uh, makes money a lot less valuable. And so when you have something like Bitcoin that, uh, you know, has a strong monetary policy um, and they're hard coded and something you can actually audit, um, you have people kind of rushing into this, this sound money um, like Bitcoin. So I think primarily it's used as a store of value. I think secondarily, it's used as a payment network. I think that, uh, you know, you think about how many foreign workers there are in the world here in Alberta, especially uh, there's a ton of people that work in Alberta and live elsewhere and have to send their money back home. Um, it, it, with international money remittance, there are uh, 16 middlemen um, in any given international money remittance transaction. And, uh, or I can send Bitcoin halfway across the world myself. 
And so I think that uh, that's another great kind of use case. And then, of course, you know, the uses for Bitcoin, um, I think, outside of being a store of value and a payment network are um, are kind of few and far between. So I think that uh, those are the two primary reasons that uh, that you're seeing Bitcoin being used for right now. Yeah. And it, uh, I guess the uh, popularity of it is growing. Yeah, certainly. I think that, you know, when I started in 2013, 2014, you know, you get on an airplane, you're in a restaurant, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I work in the Bitcoin industry. People look at me like, what's that? You know, I'm not sure what that is. Now, everybody knows what Bitcoin is. There's no more caveats on the news. Um, you know, when they talk about Bitcoin, it's no longer Bitcoin, you know, with a bunch of caveats as to what it is. It's just Bitcoin. People know what it is. Um, I think that four years ago, that wasn't the case. Eight years ago, it definitely wasn't the case. And so we're, I think that the adoption of Bitcoin is definitely increasing tenfold. So how did you get involved in this? It's funny, you know, I, I don't remember the like, the, the article I read or, or when I was first introduced to it, but I remember going to buy it uh, and wanting to buy it um, and just having a pretty poor experience trying to buy it. And so thought that, uh, you know, ultimately I could do it better and thought that, um, you know, I could meet people and educate them, get educated myself and make a bit of money on the side and just fell in love with Bitcoin, fell in love with uh, with the technology, fell in love with uh, with how how easy it was uh, to use once you knew how it worked. And then, of course, fell in love with the market, fell in love with how volatile it was. And yeah. uh, and and so, you know, my journey in Bitcoin kind of started that way and started where. Um, I was buying and selling it, doing it for a profit, and then it morphed my my vision, my my philosophical beliefs, kind of morphed into creating a financially sovereign society. And and it was uh, yeah, it's been a phenomenal journey of nearly a decade now, um, kind of just learning about Bitcoin and and looking to bring Bitcoin to the masses. Speaking of bringing it to the masses, uh, I was just going to ask you where where do you typically find. Uh, the ATM uh, machines, uh, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, probably a couple of years ago now, um, being kind of uh, surprised seeing uh, seeing it in my local favorite bar. <laughs> which uh, which bar was that? Uh, it was Jameson's in Calgary. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, so <laughs> we, um, I think that, uh, you know, we have 130 machines across Canada and we've partnered with a bunch of different locations. So um, here in Edmonton, most notably, would be Remedy Cafe. Um, we've been working with Remedy for, for nearly six years now, and um, all of their cafes in Edmonton have a Bitcoin ATM. Uh, restaurants and bars are a great choice. Uh, we have partnerships with uh, with Ivanhoe Cambridge, who's a, who's a pretty big uh, property developer, and, and they have a bunch of retail malls. Um, so like in Alberta, you know, Cross Iron Mills or uh, the brand new airport, um, airport mall by, uh, by Edmonton International Airport. And then right over into the GTA where we have, um, you know, Ivanhoe Malls in, in, in Oshawa and, and, uh, and Yorkville, for example. Um, and so I think that, uh, um, you know, kind of this wide range of places you would find a Bitcoin ATM. But typically what we look for is like a place with good hours and that makes customers feel safe. Um, ultimately, when you're buying Bitcoin, it's not like a, you don't just happen to be walking down the mall and, you know, you think, oh, I'll just buy some Bitcoin today. You know, <laughs> I think that there's there's definitely, you know, a case for that. but I think more primarily people are seeking this out. People are looking like, you know, they're looking at doing something for their future and it's done very intentionally. And so um, we try and make it as experiential as possible uh, by way of like security and ease of use. Mm -hmm. What were you doing before you started into this? Uh, I was uh, working at a restaurant. I was, uh, you know, 
bartender slash manager um, working at a restaurant and uh, found Bitcoin and really just fell in love. I, I've always had, I think, a bit of a taste for for business. I when I was um, you know when I was younger, I used to love the idea of maybe owning a cafe or a restaurant one day. Um, but uh, found Bitcoin and really kind of set my sights on on the business of Bitcoin and, and you know all the journeys, all the struggles, and all the all the hardships along the way have made it um, you know both painful and rewarding. But um, I think that now you know we're a fairly large organization and and on the on the verge of becoming the world's first publicly traded Bitcoin ATM company. Um, and I think that uh, you know all the hard work and the precedent we're setting in the industry has been it's, it's been quite exciting. It's been really fun. So what um, you know, being an entrepreneur, what kind of things do you enjoy about about this kind of uh, lifestyle? Being a business owner, that's a really good question. Um, I think that you know I've been an entrepreneur now for for quite a while. I've been working for myself basically since two thousand and fourteen. Um, my wife and I got married in 2014 and, uh, two months later I decided I would just become self-employed. And so, um, you know, really for the majority of my adult life, I've been, I've been self-employed and I've been, you know, an entrepreneur per se. Um, I think that the thing that I like the most about it is just how much things vary and how I just, there's no safety net. Like you just, there's, there's never an opportunity to just like, ah, you know, someone else will look after that. You know, the buck always stops with me. And so yeah. there's a bit of an extra fire um, underneath me, I think. And, and, um, you know, that kind of pressure is draining, uh, if I'm being honest. And, uh, and there are days where, you know, being an entrepreneur is, is difficult. Um, but I think, you know, looking back and seeing, um, you know, what's become of that and seeing, uh, you know, the way the team responds to certain things, it's, yeah, I have a lot of, of pride, I think, in, in what we as a team have been able to do. And, it feels really, really cool knowing that, um, you know, not all decisions and, and not all ideas are all mine by any chance and, and not by any of the imagination. Yeah. Um, but knowing that, you know, it's, it's there because of an idea that I had eight years ago is, um, is kind of cool. And so I think it's definitely just like, there is no other, I think, occupation in the world where the fruits of your labor are, are so dramatic. And you really, really reap what you sow um, in in business ownership and in entrepreneurship. And um, you know, now as I'm leading this organization, it's it's definitely it's definitely I think that is 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 the best part. How many people do you have? Uh, we're a team of sixty now. So six zero. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So we've got, um, and that's that's you know split across a couple of different um, kind of functions of the business. Um, but the transactional organization in Bitcoin Well is uh, what buys and sells Bitcoin. And then there's the technology arm um, called Ghost Lab. And Ghost Lab develops the software to make that possible. Yeah. Uh, being an entrepreneur is, is one thing. And, and the majority of being an entrepreneur is problem solving, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, a big problem for the Bitcoin industry is that it's brand new. And so um, when I want to do something, chances are there's no like software off the shelf that we can just use. So we have to make it. And uh, so we spun up this uh, this technology um, company called Ghost Lab, and um, yeah, collectively between the two organizations, we have uh, 60, 60 people, which has been it's been a blast. We've grown tremendously over the last year. It's been a lot of fun. So I, I guess from the initial stages, right when when you're kind of the lone wolf, uh, you know, lone man uh, taking care of everything, as you start to slowly uh, build. Uh, 
there comes a time there where you have to learn to let go, right? And to let your people do what they're hired to do, right? Yeah, that was a that was an interesting learning curve for me. Um, I think that I was lucky in a way in that um, w- whether it's by my own dumb luck or by some other form of dumb luck, um, we got an amazing team. And uh, and I remember my early day hiring process was not very good. <laughs> I was learning how to hire, and um, you know they don't they don't teach you that in high school, <laughs> which is the level of education that I have. Yeah. And so um, you know going through that process and figuring out how to hire was was good. And I got so lucky with how many incredible people we have on the team. Um, I've never really had a problem trusting people, and I've I've always understood that. Um, you know, when you trust people, you have the possibility of being burnt. And I've always been comfortable with that, I guess. Um, I've always kind of understood that, uh, you know, there's just risk involved. And I'm, I'm fairly uh, tolerant of risk. I mean, look at the industry that I've chosen to dedicate my life to. Yeah. Um, and so I think that ultimately, ultimately trusting the team was never difficult. What was more difficult for me is, is um, I think feeling with like, like, I didn't have control over it um, was, was kind of where it, where it, uh, where it was difficult for me. And I think what made that better for me is, you know, seeing the results the team were getting and seeing, listening to the ideas the team was having. Um, Once I saw that this organization was bigger than just Adam's brain, um, it was amazing. And we grew so much faster. And like, I just, you know, saw results and doubled down and saw results and doubled down and, and that exponentially, I think, empowered the team to be able to do some some really awesome things. So yeah, I think all in all, um, you know, feeling that feeling of losing control was very very real. Mm. And then once I got over that, I realized the benefits to it, and it was it was much better. So on your journey uh, of being an entrepreneur, um, what was uh, helpful for you? Uh, you know, or, uh, did you get advice from uh, certain people? Did you follow examples of? Other entrepreneurs? Did you read some books that uh, touched you? Great question. I, I'm, I'm inherently stubborn, and so um, I think that my stubbornness kind of helped me um, in a way. I took a lot of advice from a lot of different people, um, and kind of picked and chose what I liked from it. And um, you know, if I built this business again, uh, I would do it incredibly differently, and it would probably end up incredibly differently. Um, using my learnings across the last the last eight years, um, most notably this going public transaction that we've been working on for now 14 months. Um, you know, the next going public transaction, if there is one um, in my you know in my career, uh, will be incredibly different. It's it, it's it's just remarkable how um, yeah um, how different businesses can be. And so I definitely listened to advice. I I soaked up as much advice as I could. But um, I think that more than advice, what helped me was hearing the experiences of other entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, four years ago, I joined um, an entrepreneur organization, um, EO. And that's what it, so that's really what it's called, entrepreneur organization, EO. Yeah. Um, and I joined that. We had we had three employees. We were coming off the best year um, that we'd ever had, and um, you know, in learning from my most notably my my forum mates, but I think in learning from, you know, the greater EO network, and I I really just gained a lot of insight and value into like, you know, their experience wasn't always the same as mine, 
but they were always went through something similar to me. And I think that just hearing the experience, hearing how they handled it and then hearing how it worked, uh, was helped my creative, my creativity kind of like come out and like, well, you did that and that worked there. And so if I do this, it might work here. And then just a bunch of trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, you know, being an entrepreneur is very busy. <laughs> you know, for many people, it's like a 24-7 job. Um, how do you find uh, your work-life balance these days? These days, it is very lacking. And my wife and my three children would tell you that, I think. <laughs> um, I've got three small kids at home and, uh, and, a, and an incredible wife who, uh, who holds on the fort. Um, right now, we're, we're in... Uh, what I call just rocket land, and and we're we're taking the world by storm. We have some really really ambitious growth plans, um, including you know going public in this go public transaction. And I think that um, you know I was very conscious about a sacrifice I was going to make in in building this business up. Um, now that we're um, you know getting to a spot in the business where uh, my role is is a lot less hands on and a lot more future and forward looking. Mm. Uh, I think my role changes quite a bit and, and that's going to give the opportunity to, you know, look at what uh, work-life balance looks like. Um, I'm not really a guy though, that does balance very well. I think my friends, my family will tell you um, probably very similar to most entrepreneurs. I, I, I kind of just dive in head first into what I find interesting. Yeah. And um, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, we've had, I've, my oldest son is, is, is four and a half. Um, and we've got to do some really incredible things, um, in the four and a half years that I've been a father, uh, we got to go on some amazing trips and, and I'm, you know, lucky to be, you know, a coach of his baseball team and, and bring him to music class and school and all the rest of it. Um, I'm not some like absent, uh, father, but, um, you know, the trips are working vacations. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's certain sacrifices that I think have to be made in order to, yeah. um, to meet a, a certain standard that I, that I want to hit. And so work-life balance is probably something that I will be entertaining and learning about for my entire life. <laughs> okay. If you had um, uh, some time that opens up for you uh, beyond, beyond spending it with the children and the family, uh, what do you think you'd like to spend time on outside of work? I'm a big golfer. I really, really enjoy golfing. I think that uh, um, I've been golfing since I was 12. My first job actually was at a golf course. I, uh, I was playing golf one summer and um, I wasn't old enough to work yet, um, but I would just kind of go in and they'd give me food and I'd wash dishes and, and clean the tables. Okay. It was a very small town in Alberta and, um, and I loved it. So I, with that, I got to play a lot of golf and um, fell in love with the sport. Just like the challenge that it gives to yourself. And, you know, you can play with other people and you can compare scores, but really, I'm not playing as anyone else. I'm playing as myself and I'm playing, you know, it's mostly, yeah, yeah. It's mostly between the years. And so golf's a big one. Um, I like to play sports and watch sports. A big Oilers fan, uh, which is a great thing this year as I mean, last night was a little bit rough. They uh, just lost to the Jets last night, but um, all in all really, really enjoy kind of that camaraderie in, uh, in team and sports. And um, yeah, otherwise I'm so lucky. Like my work, my career revolves around Bitcoin, which is just like, you know, I get to play in the Bitcoin sandbox all day and that's, uh, that's a lot of fun. And so my, I, I think, you know, my passion and my interests are, are, you know, inter interjecting with each other. And it's, it's, it's so, so good because I've been able to make a career out of it, which has been awesome. 
Oh, super. Well, thanks very much, Adam, for joining us today. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, everyone, I think should uh, be looking at buying Bitcoin. I think that uh, you know that's the that's the way to do it. You gotta have a little bit. It's, it's it's very very risky not to own any Bitcoin. Okay, super. Well, thanks again, Adam. Uh, that was Adam O'Brien, who is the uh, owner of uh, Bitcoin Well, based in Edmonton. This has been Edmonton's podcast with Mario Toniguzzi on Canada's Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us today.